report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He lays a Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we'll be reviewing the second episode of Rebels, titled Fighter Flight. Now we have a couple of announcements, so Tom, why don't you take those? Yes, uh, coming up on the, uh, well, I was going to say coming up on the Clone Wars, but it's not Clone Wars, it's the Rebels show making star wars.net happens to have a list of the episodes coming after fight or flight episode three is titled rise of the old masters this is going to be airing monday the 27th of october the fourth episode breaking ranks will air monday the 3rd of november out of darkness episode five airs on the 10th of november naturally all these are monday then episode six will be empire day which is the 17th of november and the last episode they have listed is gathering forces on november 24th so it looks like we're going to have if this holds true going all the way to thanksgiving we will have rebels episodes and possibly even even later as well this is just the possibly next, later as the well next set you know we already got the yeah. first couple uh, episode titles and then the next set right but i wouldn't be surprised if we do get a break around there yeah and if that happens and if there's any upcoming titles we'll be announcing that here as well their air dates as well so with that i think it's time for the because we don't have any other announcements um with that we'll go with the episode rundown william would you like to take that Sure, Tom. This is uh, season one, episode two. It's hard to believe it's only episode two. It mm-hmm. feels like we've had a lot more episodes. Well, we did get that hour-long movie, which kind of padded yeah. things out a exactly, little bit. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's in, you know, three or four episodes, depending on how you want to count it, but two officially. Uh, and uh, it's titled Fighter Flight. Not to be confused with Fight or Flight. This <laughs> is Fighter Flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was written by Kevin Hopps, who is a newcomer, actually, to this, and directed by Stephen G. Lee. Uh, while on a simple errand, Ezra and Zeb steal an Imperial vehicle. So the premise of this is actually pretty simple. Um, they're on, they're on Lawful, and um, and Hera asks them, you know, basically they're 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 causing trouble, and Hera wants them off the ship for a little bit and sends them on a little bit of a a, a wild uh, goose chase, um, and all sorts of adventures ensue. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of this? I mean, the, the the episode starts off even before they're causing trouble with uh, Ezra trying to use the Force. And uh, and Chopper's there, too. Uh, yeah. Go sorry, ahead, go Steven. Ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So go I was going to say, this, in an, another example of Rebels already having a good sense of uh, what is and isn't funny, we, we start off with Ezra kind of picking off in terms of his character development where we've been before. Uh, he's trying to learn to use the Force by picking up a bowl and, you know, the music swells as he's tr- he's focusing. It starts to waver into the air. And then Chopper starts laughing and drops the bowl. You get a feeling that that is probably one of the best characters. They, well, they've developed many characters. But this Chopper out of nowhere to be this kind of a character is just... It, it, so it's a, it really, a character. I found it really funny. So everyone's like, oh, yeah, Chopper's one of my favorite characters. And I'm watching the movie like, okay, he, he like runs around on one wheel and whistles occasionally. That's kind of cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. But this episode, I really started to get a feel for Chopper is, he, I mean, he's really a pain in the ass is what he is, if you'll excuse I, I, my I language. Think, but I, I agree with that. But I think when 
I think he I think he can be called a little stinker. Yes, I think parents parents will also totally understand that. Yeah, parents will understand that. But he's a little stinker in this group, and that's all he does is cause trouble. <laughs> and he is literally living up to the as Greg said or was said to have said when I was at the uh, WonderCon panel. He is definitely living up to be the cat of the family in this yeah. group. Yeah, yeah, sure. So yeah, and I liked that. Uh, kind of jumping ahead, but focusing on Chopper, I re- just I really liked the way this kind of played out with him. He starts out with you know lifting the bowl, and then Ezra's chasing him, and uh, you keep going, and uh, he chases him into the room, and then Chopper runs out after you know starting some trouble, and then we get this awesome scene where Ezra jumps onto his bed, and the bed just falls, and at first you're just like what what, mm-hmm. and then you see Chopper twirling the little bed pins and. Uh, I don't laughing is not quite the right word. I almost is twittering the word when, you know, like uh, humorous beeping. I, I think for him, it would probably be um, you could probably say it would be his type of laughter. But I agree with the tweet. He's definitely a different droid than R2. R2's mm-hmm. got his classic mm-hmm. straight nose. I've got, you yes. know, bells, well, choppers consider like, bells and whistles. Wah. Yeah. <laughs> and you could see him sit there and go, wah, wah, wah. Stay it's tuned for wonderful. the Ion Cannon podcast only in Droid Whistles. <laughs> yeah, it. It, it just in the first like five minutes, we get a look of a, at a lot of different characters on the ship, you know, and a look at where they live. So we right. see Sabine's room, which is uh, wall-to-wall graffiti, which was a really cool kind of insight into her character. We knew she liked painting and stuff like that, but we never... We've never seen her do it in her own space. And she loves explosions. Hopefully she doesn't do that in her own space. Yeah, hopefully it's not the exploding graffiti in her room. That would probably be bad. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the graffiti in general. Um, But it is kind of an interesting thing with with Sabine. And um, and just the way she she uses that to either express herself or, or just distract the stormtroopers and the Empire or whatever. Um, so it's, it's, it's certainly interesting. I'm not a huge fan of it, but it's not as bad either. Uh, but it seems like you have to give the character something different other than just being a Mandalorian who's going to be blowing up things. I do find this fascinating that she is an artist and she does use, it was in the last episode, she used the paint as an explosive device, which mm-hmm. I thought was very cool. What will I, be interesting going forward is how they're going to use that other than she's always someplace doing graffiti. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, just, I like how it ties into her character in a lot of ways because you know you when you think about the Karen Travis Mandalorian novels, you think you kind of start oh. to understand the importance of the Mandalorian armor and how it, it you know it signify the the armor itself signifies something about the wearer. Right. And having Sabines be kind of this painted over graffitied style, so it it's not something she just does for fun. It it is a, really a core part of her character. You know, and I guess that that's. To beg the question, are we going to see actual Mandalorians at all in Rebels? I think that would be very interesting to see how that going forward, uh-huh. how that would play off with a real Mandalorian. True. I bet you we will at some point. Mandalorians yeah. are too popular, I think, for Rebels to ignore for too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I would imagine that at some point they will be introduced. But right now, it seems like, to me, this episode, you're seeing, you know, when Hera, first off, you can see Hera basically stop Zeb and, and Ezra in their tracks just by hey. saying one thing, ahem, 
it, you know, it was that very perfect, mom. Yeah, it was that yeah, it mom was. moment where like, okay, we're done. What you two are doing stops now. And, and you know, everyone responds to that very, very clearly. Mm, yeah, cut the crap. Right. And, and, that, and that right there shows that I think they're trying to build the relationship between Zeb and Ezra is almost like a, a big brother, little brother mm-hmm. oh, type totally. of. Yeah. And and in this case, it works. And, and I think when it comes to this episode, that's what they really tried to stress is these two characters. And to me, this episode was a very good character study, you know, because how how else can you get them to interact it, other than going on an errand, like a mother saying, I need the two of you to go do a market run. So here, here's a list of stuff I need you to do, but come back with a, this Melarune. It's like, I've never heard of that before within the Star Wars universe, but it doesn't grow on Lothal, but that's the one thing. It's like, mm-hmm. get all the stuff and supplies, but get this as well. Yeah, it was it was fun seeing uh, Hera kind of playing the mom. I also liked this kind of Kanan playing the dad. He's got a line later on where there's, uh, after they've been out for a while, and Herod mm-hmm. and Kater is kind of sitting back on the couch. It's like, you know what? It's much more relaxing with the kids gone. I yeah, thought that was very funny. Yeah, exactly. Yes. They're just hanging out there playing the Jerick. Yep. And yeah. um, that wasn't that wasn't interesting. And and and, and a lot of the uh, more than just that, it's you know they they steal a Tie Fighter and and, and, and Zeb and uh, sorry uh, Kanan and 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 Hera say you gotta get rid of it. And I'm like, do we have to? And it's I, it, that dynamic is definitely. It was almost like, the, it's almost like, you know, you can't have that puppy. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. you have to get rid of that puppy. Oh, do we have to, mom and dad? But in this case, it was a TIE fighter. Yeah. I, I, well, I, pre- I, pretty similar. Yeah. yeah. Well. But jumping back a little bit. So Ezra and Zeb are off on their little journey to for supplies. And actually, I really liked seeing uh, Ezra so antsy after seeing Imperials again. Mm-hmm. So you think about it, he's only been a, a rebel, if you will, for a very short time at this point. And as soon as he sees any Imperials, he's really nervous. He's hiding. Uh, he'll have to kind of drop that if he wants to be able to blend in like the rest of the ghosts, the crew of the ghosts can do. But it's good, though, because he's so young and, and, and new to this that he shouldn't be extremely comfortable. Oh, yeah. He, sh- he shouldn't no, be comfortable yet. Right. Because he is supposed to be training to be a Jedi. Now, the question is. How much between this episode and the last episode has he been informed about the Jedi on the run? That's the thing. Is it is that his motivation to where he sees an Imperial? It's like now that he knows he's got the force or he's got something in him, he's got to hide. Well, and, and after this episode, I can say he's definitely not trying to hide it. There are a lot of moments where he's you, trying to use the force in a very, very public area. The fact that he doesn't. Very true. It's kind of irrelevant. No, very true with that. Yeah. So kind of going back to that two brothers dynamic, the whole episode is kind of trying to, it builds off of the previous episode in that Ezra won't stop bringing up that. I saved your life card card with Zeb and Zeb is not having it. Right. And that actually drives a lot of the, the plot mm-hmm. behind this. You know, you have the, <clears throat> you have the, uh, the, the fruit they're supposed to go grab. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but for the most part, this their conflict this i have saved your life you owe me um thing is what really drives a lot of this mm-hmm. and you know it early goes back on and forth throughout the episode there was a nice little reference to um where where, where, where ezra says you know in some cultures you know you you would owe me uh, your life <laughs> and that's what they call yeah, it's almost the, like it's almost like the, the wookie life debt exactly exactly yes. but um 
So that was an interesting dynamic, but I, I don't know. It, it was a lot like a older brother, younger brother dynamic where they're just um, kind of annoyed at each other for no reason, and it causes all this conflict. But there was also the conflict. There was also the thing in which, I mean, they finally were able to find the the Milaru fruit, but the Imperials had it. So what ended up happening is they put on top of an Imperial transport. There's the crate, and you could just tell there is the. You know, Ezra was not going to let it go. He wanted to get this fruit. Zeb is like, you know what? Forget about it. Ezra tried at this point to use the force to get the lid off. I mean, I thought that was very cool for him to at least try. Get the lid off and let's see if I can get this fruit over to me. But right when he thought it was going to happen and the lid was was moving, an Imperial grabs it and basically closes the lid. And he's like, okay, well, what else am I going to do? I'm going to go out there and get it myself. And you could just tell, here's Zeb going, oh, my God, he's going to get me in trouble again. Mm-hmm. You know, my little brother is going to get me in trouble. I don't need this right now. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised how, like, the one th- one of the big thoughts for me for this episode was that both of these characters really were needed to mature a lot. Yes. Uh, Ezra, it, it's understandable. He's, I mean, he is a young character. I, I don't expect him to be super mature, but Zeb was a little surprising. Especially because he's supposed to be uh, older. Yeah, Zeb's he's not supposed older. To be some, he's, you know, he's, he's a warrior. He's not supposed uh, to be, like, a teenager. He's supposed to be much older, I think, like. 20s or 30s i have to imagine mm-hmm. you would think so yeah well maybe maybe it's because he's got oh. a, uh, maybe, a obviously it, mm-hmm. well maybe it's because he now has a charge with him um almost like the little brother type thing where he's right. trying to protect him and that may be you know something within that character that's trying yeah. to, to you know well beat and he does him. he spends a lot of this episode bailing ezra out from trouble so ezra you know walks up to the fruit and is so sure he's got it covered and is immediately caught yeah and, and still the stormtroopers pl- can't shoot worth a darn <laughs> it's it's even worse later on where at, like there's a stormtrooper who's literally like an arm's length or two away right shooting at ezra and can't hit him well he was you could Okay, you could probably defend. He was using the force to sit there and dodge him, you know, because he well, did so kind there, of. There was a moment where that was the case, but yes. lasers move really fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and then there's Zeb going. Okay, well, Ezra is just about caught. Now I got to bail him out. So what does he do? He uses the crates that they had to get their groceries to knock all the stormtroopers off. And then it's like, okay. Now let's start running. They run down an alley, and this I thought was pretty cool to see. You have Zeb basically climb the side of a wall with, you know, Ezra in tow. And just when you thought they were getting away, and here's Zeb with one arm throwing Ezra over the top. There's the Stormtroopers again. Can't shoot anybody standing on a wall. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, they do shoot Zeb off the side. Yeah, that one I wasn't as bothered by. They they do land some good hits in that one, at least. It was was later on where I was just like, oh, come on, guys. So I thought that... Sorry. No, go ahead. I thought that scene was interesting for two reasons. One, uh, we, we learned that Zeb apparently can climb very fl- perfectly flat walls because he can just dig mm-hmm. his claws into He's got in, the claws in there. Uh, which is actually pretty impressive, digging your claws into cement. Um, or whatever that is. It's not cement, it's ceramicrete. Ceramicrete, thank you. Why do I know these things? <laughs> I didn't Sorry. even know that. I thought it was cement. I, <laughs> I know uh, like Durasteel and that kind of stuff, but ceramicrete I'd forgotten about. Thank you. Anyway. Wow. Um, nicely done. This is why we have you here. Good I, one. It's, uh, I am the walking Star Wars technology encyclopedia, and I'm not okay. sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> uh, so, so Zeb 
uh, you know, is able to climb the ceramicrete uh, with his with his bare hands or claws. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this cool little scene where you know he he falls when he falls on top of the stormtroopers, he actually lands on top of both of them, almost like yep. uh, an Assassin's Creed or something, where he like grabs, you know, jumps on both of them and takes them takes them out at the same time. He he's uh, not the only character who's has cat-like reflexes, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Always lands on his feet. Yeah, so no, it, I, this this there are a lot of really interesting scenes between um, Zeb and with Zeb and Ezra here. You know, as soon as he lands uh, on the ground, he he runs around. He's he's hiding for a minute, and a Tie Fighter tries to attack him. Well, that's he's like. This was Zeb getting caught between a rock and a hard place. He yeah. he gets he manages to escape the stormtroopers for a moment, only to f- come face to face with a Tie Fighter. Yeah, and not not a fun place to be. Although it doesn't seem to bother him when he you know jumps on top of the Tie Fighter and takes over. Okay, now I have a question. Have we seen that Tie Fighter pilot before? Was he also the Tie Fighter pilot in the short? I believe so. Yeah, and actually a lot okay. of the a lot of the characters it's actually really cool. Um, they're they're reusing them quite a bit. It seemed like in the Clone Wars, a lot of the, I guess because the scope was so much bigger, a lot of the clones, a lot of the officers would kind of be what? one and done. Maybe they'd appear again later. So um, there, there's an advantage there here where, clones, but yeah, so there's the advantage of when you have clones, uh, the only thing that really differentiates them in a lot of cases is hair and things right. like that. You can use the same base model. That doesn't, yep. that doesn't work the same here. If they have the same face, you get, you're going to notice. Exactly. So I, I I actually thought it was kind of cool that you know you have these these officers stationed on um, they're they're stationed on on Lothal and so of course they're going to show up again and again and again in, in different locations mm-hmm. um, you know they're not just gonna leave Lothal and some other random officer's gonna be there so I, it's kind of cool how we actually see all these officers returning um, over and over and over again um, like I believe um, Commandant Aresco was in this episode again. He's the one with the very long, skinny face. Got it. Wasn't he in this episode again? Uh, I missed him if he was. But... I, if he uh, was, I didn't see him. I don't know, but I, I, I'm, I'm still learning all their names. But mm. um, yeah, they, they are recurring. So I believe that that pilot is the same one that was in the short, unless they just reused the model. Mm. You know, I think there's a little bit of a subplot we missed. Who was the gentleman that had the moisture farm that the Empire oh, wanted? Yes. So yeah, because that, very briefly... That... Ezra greets a moisture farmer whose name I don't know, uh, right. who was some friend of his parents at some point in the past. Uh, they talk for a minute, and we we're sort of told about how uh, this farmer's there's we're there's something going on with the empire, but we don't really know what or who or why, uh, and that kind of all comes up later to a small degree at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Zeb leads into the Tie Fighter and. I used I so he takes control, but I use the word control very lightly. Because <laughs> I didn't he say that or something something under his breath like I've never flown one of these before. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And so naturally he flies pretty darn erratically, and almost crashes into a few things, and <laughs> um, or half the city. You know, no big yeah. deal. Yeah. Or have you ever seen a Tie Fighter fly sideways? Never knew that. That one was a little weird. I mean, I guess that makes so, sense because it's not actually using. I mean, please, Stephen. Yes, this is your area I'm, of expertise. I'm, but I'm guessing they're using the thrusters to. Uh, so there's you've got two pieces of uh, technology for ship propulsion. You've got the repul- 
shush. I'm no, not saying I, anything. I, yeah, no, I can hear I can hear the eyes rolling. The eyes rolling. Side. No, 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 please. No, please no, 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 no. Okay. Please, See, please educate me. So for the 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 TIE fighters, so all ships have what are called repulsor lifts. Those are the things in land speeders. Uh, you can see them on the Millennium Falcon in Episode Five when it lands at uh, Cloud City. Uh, these are usually used for essentially like anti-grav. This is how you keep a ship from you know sinking in gravity. Uh, so it's usually used in takeoff and landing because you know you can't just accelerate straight up. Uh, think of it like uh, VTOL, vertical yeah. takeoff and landing. Yeah, vertical takeoff and landing. Yeah, like a Harrier jet. Exactly. Yep. I need to get that, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Or yeah. or the F thirty-five. There's another one for you. Yeah. See. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Anyway, so that's, those are the repulsor lifts. Uh, direct, they're just kind of angled down. Um, it's not always super clear exactly how they work. Uh, so, like, we see them on the Millennium Falcon, but obviously we never see them on almost any other ship. Uh, in Episode 4, we just see the X-Wings take off. Mm. Uh, but the TIE Fighter also has the twin-ion engine, which is used for thrust. It's also used for the distinctive uh, TIE Fighter whine, if you will. I don't. I'm trying to remember where this was going. Anyway, so he's trying to explain was, why a Tie yeah. Fighter can fly sideways. Yeah. So Zeb was just using the repulsor lifts, which is just saying, "Hey, you were, you know, anti-grab." That's all there was to it. <laughs> like it was, it was keeping it off the ground, and if you angle the ship, you know, you'll push it along very slightly. It's not going to go very fast, and it's not particularly helpful in most scenarios, but it worked here. I feel like we need an intro for Steven's tech segment. <laughs> yes, something. We need something a little British sounding, maybe. Stevens Texas. Get like the British, like a nice British voice. And now, on today's hour with Steven, we'll be discuss. If I could do a British accent, imagine me talking like a British accent. Because <laughs> that's really bad. <laughs> that, no, that wasn't even British. That was like I'm talking slightly slower because that's <laughs> close enough, right? <laughs> yeah. No. Anyway, bring us back, back to the show. Yeah, yeah, so, back, so back Zeb's flying show. sideways down an alley. Ezra's um, technically, this is tops. perfectly possible. Go team. Um, but um, uh, okay, he's flying sideways for a reason because you have Ezra on top of a building. Exactly. So you know, Ezra wants is trying to get. He's being chased by the Empire. Zeb is in this ship. He's not taking out the Empire. He's flying alongside Ezra, complaining about how, oh, you you know, you keep saying that, um, you know, you saved my life. Ah, stop saying it. You know, we're even. Or you owe me one of the, you know, whatever it is. He doesn't, he's trying to settle this argument while uh, Ezra is being chased by the Empire. It seemed a little bit petty here. Yeah. Then well, again, it, I don't know. It is kind of that older brother relationship in it some is. ways. So, it's, so and like the next scene is uh, when they finally like Ezra's like, "Fine, we're even," and he's like, "No, I got to hear you say it." And then yeah. Ezra jumps in, and then they immediately start fighting over the controls of the ship. Yeah. They they were pushing that that feuding brother relationship really really hard here. Yeah. Um. It was it was the moment where it stretched past the realm of like this actually makes sense in the realm of the story to. Uh, we're very clearly exaggerating this, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't so bad that it, it took me out of the episode, you know? But it, it was certainly a lot of that. Actually, there was something else that probably took me out of the episode more that I will, I'll bring up later, uh, as much as I enjoyed it. Um, tease you there. Um, but, <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it was a little bit, a little bit over the top, I guess. Uh, meanwhile, back on the ghost, um, you know, Sabine is still spray painting the wall of, of Ezra and Zeb's room. 
Um, and was, you know, speaking of like secondary plots, I really like this as kind of a, a third a tertiary plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's essentially a three beat story of Sabine looking at the room saying like, oh, I've got an idea. Um, a quick scene with Sabine and Hera here where it becomes uh, Sa- uh, Hera looking at Sabine and being like, well, at least it's not my room, uh, you know, for a quick laugh. And then, you know, the reveal at the end of what she's actually been painting. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, three very short scenes that make for a really effective kind of tiny mm-hmm. story that throughout the episode. Now, um, another one, another one of the, the minor plots uh, in this episode is Ezra and his force abilities. And in, in the premiere, he joins Kanan. Uh, we find out in episode one, um, droids in distress, that Kanan really hasn't taught him anything about the force yet. Uh, he's just been kind of on his own. And he gets lucky and, and figured, kinda, figures out how to use the force and saves Zeb, um, which starts this whole feud. Um, and then in this episode, you know, he's trying to lift the, um, uh, the bowl right. and then the lid off the, the, the Melu run fruit and, um, uh, they're flying in the TIE fighter and they, they can't see anything cause they have Melu run fruit all over the, the screen mm-hmm. of the, of the ship. Um, and they almost run into, um, a, a big obstacle, in, in the middle of the uh, unlawful and Ezra, you know, feels this, this, um, he, he feels like, Oh, I, we, we're going to hit something. Like we got to move and they were able to avoid it, thankfully. But, um, I, it, it's still all these little things. And at the end of the last episode, I guess I, this is where I was going at the end of the last episode, uh, Kanan told Ezra, now your training actually begins. But it doesn't really seem like you still trained him that much at this point. No. I wonder no. if this is going to maybe pick up more in Rise of the Old Masters or something next mm-hmm. week. But, um, yeah, it certainly feels like Kanan keeps teasing Ezra with, oh, I'm going to train you, I'm going to train you, I'm going to train you, and really has kind of left it up to him to, to figure it out. I wonder if some of that has happened off screen. Because levitating objects is, I feel, not something you'd expect uh, to be able to do just off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so him, no, uh, Ezra realizing that, oh, there's something in front of me I need to avoid that I actually think really works that, you know, that's that, the Jedi danger sense or spidey sense tingling, uh, which is, you know, the enhanced reflexes. Those are the sorts of things that I, I can see coming naturally. You know, you, you, you're born that way. It's something that's been part of you for forever. It's that, that, that second, uh, you know, the, the sixth sense sort of thing. Sure. Mm, that sure. I, can, I buy Ezra being able to tap into now. The lifting and levitating objects uh, or pushing buttons as the case at the end, I'm, I'm mm. not convinced of. Well, yet. he was able to do the force push in the last right. episode. Right, and, but it, it was very clearly not... Sorry, in the, wait, the last episode? Yeah, in Droids yeah. Express when he saves Zeb. Yeah, when, force pushes Zeb. Oh, sorry, out of the I was way. thinking I was in the movie for some reason. Oh, yeah. sorry, yeah. No. Yeah, no, but, and see that, and that's like, I kind of... I, I'm kind of suspicious of, but I'm willing to like buy because it's it's a moment of panic. Mm-hmm, sure. Now, is it possible, William? Would you have accepted it if this episode was before Droids in Distress and then Droids in Distress? Because that way you would have had another episode of him basically trying to use the Force, and then without the your training starts now, then you have the Droids in Distress episode to where the same thing happens. He pushes he basically saves Zeb by pushing away agent Callus, and then you have kanan saying 
your Jedi training starts now. Oh, no, no. I think the episodes really have to go in this order. Okay. Um, because, you know, if he was using the Force like he did in these episodes, that wouldn't have made any sense. Okay. We, 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 I, I was just... Of a, of a shocker. Plus, there's the whole continuity of, you know, Zeb getting... Oh no! Ab- absolutely, no, but, I, com- absolutely. But I was, I was trying to think. I was trying to think of a ways to where no, it wasn't. It wasn't a big. It wasn't a big deal. I was just. It, I find it interesting that it seems like at least Kanan keeps pushing off mm. um, Ezra's training. Yeah, right. And maybe well, they're still trying to rush to it. Well, true. But if there's one thing Kanan has to tell them is if you ever steal a Tie Fighter, you have to dismantle the locator. I, people. <laughs> that just, the humor in this episode was so spot on. Yeah. Yeah, you, that actually. You remember was very to funny. disable the locator beacon, of course. Oh, oh yeah, of of course. I heard no, that. Check 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 underneath the column. Oh yeah, uh huh. Yeah, we we disabled it. Is is it the red wire or the blue wire? It, it's the red wire. Oh no, it's it's both wires. Oh yeah, we 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 did that earlier. Yep, uh huh. <laughs> or the okay, meet it meet at the you know the rendezvous point, and then like okay, we'll see you there. Close the com. That one, well, yeah. You know which way we're supposed to go? Not no. a clue. <laughs> but I guess wherever they were going, they did see some smoke off into the distance. That brings in the other secondary story plot of when they went to go investigate the, the friend's moisture farm. And there must be something interesting going on on Lothal because now the Empire is just starting to take over property. Yeah, I, I have a, some problems with this. And maybe it's just because I... Not that I like the Empire, because the Empire is evil. But I, I like the idea that the Empire doesn't necessarily start evil, that this is something that happens over time. And a lot of what we've seen so far in Rebels is just the Empire being cruel for the sake of cruelty, mm-hmm. which is for all the evil of the Empire, it's not really what they do. They didn't build the Death Star because they thought blowing up planets was fun. They built the Death Star because they believed that this would be a way to control systems through mm-hmm. fear. Fear will keep the local systems. Now, is it like possible? That- Yep. Go, Sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, no, no. Go no. ahead. I, I did. I, I did not want to interrupt your train of thought. Go ahead. My my soapbox. <laughs> well, no. Go. <laughs> no. And I, it was just that I. This like why I, we never like we're never even introduced to why this farm is even important. It's just the Imperials show up. They they shoot part of it on fire and then they take the prisoners and leave. Mm. Like why is the Empire doing this here? Is what I really want to know. Is yeah. it possible? Is it possible? That it just ends up being that this governor, we'll, we'll, we'll break it down, not not the moth, but the governor of this planet is basically, you know, he's doing this just for his own reasons. He's just doing it to do it. He's doing it to terrorize him. And then at some point, if it starts going up the chain, then the emperor is going to find out and basically says, no, this is not how we run the empire. We don't run it this way. Because I think we all read a new dawn that's the impression i got out of one of yes, the characters yes we all have dawn. read a new dawn <laughs> i didn't mean it that way no for the record i have now finished a new dawn i can totally talk about it okay good so but i thought with one of the characters in that book that's kind of the impression i got the character is running on his own right counter to what the empire was doing and in the end he ended up getting slapped down by the empire and it seems like this is what's happening on Lothal. This could be a governor who's doing that in the name of the Empire. And then at some point, that character is going to be, you know, if it goes further on, right. slapped down by the Empire saying, no, this is not how we run things. I do wish we got a little more information about why uh, the Empire wanted 
the the farm. I would agree was with it, that. Was it was they wanted the land to build something? Did they want the resources? Did they want exactly. uh and and in regardless of of why they wanted it, um you know, they they ended up I guess we never explained this part. Uh the the farmer says, no, I'm not going to give you the land, uh, Ezra's friend. And so what do they do? The Empire destroys their home and throws them uh, on this prison tr- prisoner transport ship um, and uh, and takes them on a, a journey across Lothal, basically. Uh, and they just leave the farm there burning, which was very reminiscent of the Lars homestead in A New Hope. I, I was going to say that because do you have a feeling that if this was a little bit later in the series that would have been Boba Fett and some stormtroopers. <laughs> Sorry, that's bad reference, but that is possible. I, I did buy, I do buy that theory though. Sure. And, and, and so, I mean, I don't know. It, it's possible that they just wanted to teach them a lesson. Uh, you know, they wanted, they wanted the land and they refused to give it. And so they said, you know what? Fine. We don't actually need your land anymore. You wouldn't sell it to us. So I'll just destroy it. Or they don't even maybe need the farm. They still have the rest of the land. We don't, the problem is we don't really know why they wanted it. All we know is that they took it, mm-hmm. they set it ablaze, um, they, they uh, imprisoned, put him on the, the they imprisoned the the owner and his his wife, and I think there was a, a third. Probably a hand. Uh, yeah, old, it, it looked uh, like it was a yeah. farm hand. Farm hand or something, or a family member or something like that. And uh, and that's when, you know, Ezra and, uh, and, and Zeb see the smoke. They arrive at the ship. They're able to track down this transport, and we get this um, kind of interesting scene where Ezra... Um, jumps on top of the of, of the moving vehicle. Well, hang on, but to... before before oh, we get too much farther, right, right. Before we get too yeah, much farther, you, I was gonna bring this up, but I wanted to wait until this point when you mentioned earlier. We're talking about you know seeing these recurring imperial officers. Like I can't imagine there are that many people on Lothal in, in terms of imperials. Mm-hmm. So when Zeb does this, oh yes, I'm it's Imperial Cand- uh, Commander Melu Run, the name <laughs> yes. of the fruit. I'm a little suspicious. <laughs> Like, why well, I think that I think Ezra was too. He gave him that look. Like, what the heck are you doing? But it worked. <laughs> like, do they not have security codes? I mean, and and we got it later where he realizes. But like, really? Like, yeah, imagine. Goodness. What's your operating number? Yeah, like I, we've seen it a couple times now in Rebels, which is why I bring it up. But like, guys, like you've got you know, learn who your commanding officers are and take orders from them. <laughs> Please. Okay. To, to, to back this up a little bit, is it possible that within this, because we've gone from Clone Wars, we've gone from the original Star Wars episodes, is it possible that maybe within this section we're reading just a little too much into it? Because I, I really enjoy going this far because we really are into these episodes, but I think for the audience they're going for, is that something uh, that they're going to question? That's a fair point, and it yeah, and and but, but it, Steven, it is kind I, of I, I I think you're right in the sense that we probably should try and keep in mind that Rebels is is not uh, the Clone Wars, right? If this was the Clone Wars, Zeb or Ezra would probably be dead, and the uh, other morning. No, no, I think that they're, they're targeting the same age group. If you if you think about where they started off, well, not what okay, I think, but so I think where they started episode, off, sure. But where right. they ended, not even close. Sure, Think about but, where... but you're, you're resetting a generation, right? You start with a new hope, and it's and it's more. I wouldn't. It's not as young as necessarily Rebels, but mm-hmm. it's certainly a little more lighthearted. And you end up with, you know, Empire and Jedi. You start right. with the Phantom Menace, more younger, and you end up with Revenge of the Sith, much right. much darker. 
Star Wars always has this this arc where it kind of grows with the generation. Mm-hmm. And we had the, the the original trilogy generation, we had the the prequel generation, we had the Clone Wars generation. Now we have the Rebels generation. And so I think they kind of have to. They're not going to pick up where Clone Wars left off. They're going to reset. Right. It. Well, I mean, it, take I the age back a couple to. years, right? No, and then I, work up to it again. I don't and, know. And I'm, I'm not sure ahead. I buy that. But like, we've always so, no. So it make I I agree with you up until uh, we start talking about the Clone Wars and Rebels generation. I don't think those exist. So like uh, you, I could argue. I might argue I that. With you there. I'm okay. It's so, totally yeah. the Clone Wars generation. I, I might I, argue. Hang on. Let me, hang go on. Ahead. Okay, go so ahead. I might argue <laughs> that I will accept that there is what you might call a Clone Wars generation, mm. which is uh, the the generation that grew up after the uh, all six movies were out. Uh-huh. I right. don't buy that. There's any difference between Clone Wars and Rebels when we've got a not even a year separating the two. Yeah, but we had five years of the Clone Wars. So, but the the the, the, the kids that started off at like watching Clone Wars at 7, for example, you know, are going to be 12 now. Mm-hmm. Or if they started at 10 and they're 15 now. Right. And this, the same thing. So they, they kind of are able to reset it. That those that five years makes a big difference. Yeah, the, the, the gap yeah, is closer. I, I suppose. But there's I, certainly going to be, and there's always going to be a new generation of kids, you know. You'll be able to catch the ones that started on the Clone Wars, for sure. Right. And there are going to be new ones that never saw the Clone Wars that they'll be able to, to capture as well. And, and um, I've, I've always... I'm sorry. Um, I've always said that when they introduced Ahsoka, it was for that generation. It, and and when you saw her, you saw her in the Clone Wars grow up. Okay, and everybody within that generation grew up with her. I think it's the same thing right now when it comes to Rebels. You've got Ezra that is now basically the Ahsoka of this generation. Okay, and that character within however many seasons they're going to have on this episode, you're going to watch that character grow. You're going to watch that character expand his, his force abilities. And you're going to actually watch this character somehow, some way, I don't know how make that tie in to the original series, to the original trilogy into the new trilogy. So you're bringing this generation into that new Star Wars universe. So I will, I'd add on then that if that is what their intended goal is, it's something they need to be kind of careful with as well, because it, it feels weird as a longtime Star Wars fan. Not mm. that this episode felt weird in any way. I mean, it right. did, but I mean, it's weird to say that, okay, you get like, however long the current piece of content lasts, that's, that is what is meant for you. And then you, you know, everyone else you get ignored after. Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, I mean, the, the the people who grew up with the original trilogy say the original trilogy is the best. Prequels suck. That's me. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I the the people who grew up with me. the prequels say, oh, the original trilogy is great. Some might say it's a little old too. Right. Um, but the prequels are where it's at. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm of the prequel generation. I love the original trilogy, but I also love the prequels, flaws mm-hmm. and all. I love the prequels. I'm okay. Sorry. And from, um, from the guy from uh, and from sorry. the guy who grew up with the original trilogy. When I saw the prequels, I knew who the prequels were aimed for. They were aimed for that generation. That's not my generation. Although right. I enjoy the prequels. Yeah. And I there are knew many where people, they were going with it. There are many people in the prequel generation that saw Clone Wars and were like, oh, well, that's so much younger. Yeah. We, we came off Revenge of the Sith and, and now you have Sky Guy. Uh, you right. know, what the, and, what the heck? <laughs> but but as 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 the three of us saw when we went through the Clone Wars itself, 
we saw that grow. Mm-hmm. We knew where it was going. We accepted what it is because we're Star Wars fans. And that's the one thing about us. We, we are through so many generations right now right. within Star Wars. We can enjoy it for what it is. And I'm watching the Rebels episodes. I know where they're aiming for. And there's stuff in this that's for me because it's by guys who are maybe a little bit younger than I am, maybe my age, that grew up with the original trilogy and kind of know, okay, we have to start bridging these gaps to bring everybody together and grow up from this point forward. And I look at Rebels as... You can accept it for what it is or stuff in it for me, but it is going for this generation that's going to bridge them into what's to come. Yeah. I, I'm I not know. sure I'll buy it, but that that's might okay. be. We, that's we, probably we, not okay. a discussion it's not our, it's not our. It's not our goal to convince anyone. No, here. it's, it's not. Just, and it's just a, to discuss, you know. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is very deep in zen, but we need to continue on because believe it or not, there was a food fight in this episode or a fruit fight. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, of younger, of younger <laughs> focused things. I know. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> fruit fight. Yeah, so, but then again, then again, for me, it's John Belushi standing up in the middle of a commissar yelling, food fight. That was yeah. me, not, you know. <laughs> So Ezra Ezra jumps on the moving vehicle. He frees the the prisoners, and uh, of course the stormtroopers jump on top of the ship. They they detect um, that there's a intruder on, on aboard, and that's when the food food fight starts. And they start throwing um, melee runs again at each other. Um, uh. I, I will say I wish we had a little bit of variety with the the fruit. I feel like this was a problem in uh, the Clone Wars and even in 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 the prequels like an attack of the clones there was they only really showed one type of fruit it seems like we have very few types of of um of food in mm-hmm. in star wars and when we introduce a new one we almost focus on it exclusively i oh, think i think milk. Yeah, yeah i think in the in the in the marketplace at the beginning of the episode there might have been other fruit as well well there was yeah, cause um, we've got the purple fruit and now the melu sun fruit. yeah but the but the 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 purple fruit those are the they looked a lot like the Jogan fruit, I think, right from the Clone Wars. Oh, the the the, the purple round ones that um, the R two D two and C three PO went off to to grab for the cake. Oh, oh now I remember that. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. just a little, a little thought. I felt like that we all saw exclusively that fruit in in that episode in the Clone Wars, and then now it's like exclusively Melu Run. It would have been interesting to see um, maybe a different variation, like a whole bunch of different types of fruit. Well, and, and on, on the in ship, in the, other, the, the other issue I feel with this sort of thing you see a lot is it's not only that it's the same fruit, it's that the fruits are copies and copy pasted. Yes. Yeah. Like you will never get see it. it's two oranges that. Are, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I, I don't blame them if they're going to spend their budget. I would much rather them spend their budget on fights and TIE fighters and stormtroopers and not on, hey, make that other piece of fruit a little more lumpy so it looks different. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. But, uh before the fruit fight actually happens, one of my, again, a moment of me make, making me very happy, uh, Ezra starts using his little wrist shooter on the stormtroopers. And I was really glad to see that it had no effect on them whatsoever. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that it, up. That is very true. It's one of those true. things that, you know, people are like, wow, why do stormtroopers even wear armor? It doesn't even work. And this is, this is the reason why. Stormtrooper armor is designed as like, almost like riot armor. It's not intended against people who are seriously trying to harm them. Mm. But, rowdy civilians who are using old guns like slug throwers aka guns that use bullets um and <laughs> i i wonder though um 
just just thinking about it now. If uh-huh. if a bunch of uh, fruit can clog up a Tie Fighter uh, windshield and make it impossible to fly uh, or make you have to fly blind, um, can you just like aim for the stormtrooper's head and just splatter it all over their their okay, visor? But wait a minute. Wasn't See, one what? of them knocked off with a piece of fruit? He was. Mm-hmm. He was. Hey, yeah. you are, hey, you don't know how heavy those Malu run fruit things are. <laughs> Good point. Could have been 100 but, pounds. See, as, this and, is, as we're it, using the force. Speaking of the Empire, this is an example of how, like, how focused on efficiency and money the Empire is. They can't even give their TIE fighters windshield wipers. No. No. Oh. Just and cut this, it out of the budget. Also, in space, you do not need windshield wipers. <laughs> and, and then there's the other thing, okay? If you want to talk about wasting money if they can't put windshield wipers on a TIE fighter, uh-huh. why, if they have prisoners inside of a troop transport that's closed in front of them, are they wearing handcuffs? <laughs> well, they were wearing I was wearing the handcuffs. That was the weirdest troop transport I think I've ever seen. Oh, hey, wait a minute. Let's, just, that... let's, let's throw them on the outside. Wasn't that based on a toy, though? I believe so, yeah. Really? Yeah. I believe it was based on a toy, yep. yes. Yep. I did not know that, but I would not be surprised in the slightest. That is something they've done in the past, I believe. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I approve. So that that part is pretty cool. Um, so also, Ezra, go ahead, Stephen. Yep, go. Ezra's Ezra's dodging blaster shots uh, at point blank range. Uh, I believe you you weren't particularly thrilled about that, Stephen. No, but I accept that stormtroopers have this hor- terrible stigma attached to them that they can't aim. <laughs> okay, and... I, I do. It's never going to More change. than it's, it's, it's just the hero and he can't die. Um, I do have a quick question. Yeah. For the clone troopers in their helmets, did they not have heads up displays to where they could use them for targeting? Yes. Then why can't a stormtrooper have a head? Those are only the okay. better stormtrooper helmets. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I just thought I'd ask. I don't know. Just making stuff up here. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, and, and this is when Zeb returns. Mm-hmm. And he saves Ezra by uh, piloting the TIE fighter upside, upside down with no. his feet so he can dangle out of the cockpit <laughs> and grab Ezra with his hands as he flies over. I realize it is completely impractical and ridiculous, but I'm kind of okay with it. <laughs> I'm okay with it, too. I Maybe think... it was mostly autopilot. Yeah, it's possible. You know, stuff like this can work in, in many respects. It's just you, you have to suspend what you believe in this, and it's one of the things in which can a TIE fighter fly sideways? Well, it does prove because of how it is. It can't fly sideways. Can it fly upside down by the feet of Zeb? I guess it can, so it's acceptable. Besides, how else is it going to get him off of a troop transport? Mm-hmm. Other than what did help was when Ezra was sitting there trying to figure out what was in his backpack. He did pull out a wrench, so that way it would not shoot down the TIE fighter. He shoved it in the gun of that transport to where it blew up ah, the transport. Yes. That was that was a cool yes. little, little That was a cool, cool little thing. thing. Yeah. But yeah, so Zeb and Evera are now uh, they've settled their differences. They're eternally even. Uh, Zeb even gives Ezra a TIE fighter helmet. Which was actually a really nice gesture. It was. Uh, that, that little moment where, I, where Ezra's like, I already have one of the and he kind of stops and realizes, It's the thought oh, that counts. He's trying to be nice. And it's like, yeah. thank you. And then actually tries to flip it around and, and, and realizes, oh, I get Sabine to, to paint my uh, my helmet for me. <laughs> I, I was actually wondering if that might have been a reference to that big art uh, exhibit that happened a couple months ago where we had the painted Stormtrooper helmets. I'm positive it is. That, Interesting. That's, we've done it a couple times. 
I yeah. never made the connection to that. Yeah. Uh, but I like the idea that Sabine would be painting that. But yeah, so the, they uh, finally we kind of cut to later on in the day. Zeb and Ezra approach the ghost with no TIE fighter and swear that they crashed it. <laughs> I am not convinced. I expect that TIE fighter to show up at a later date. <laughs> well, at least it didn't follow them home. <laughs> what would have happened if it would have followed them home? No, no, I no. Could guarantee you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could guarantee you so they'd the be like, can we dog? keep it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, you know, I, I, I do wonder though, you know, mm-hmm. we have the blasters from the disruptor uh, blasters from the last episode that are, uh, half of those are missing. Uh, Visago has, has half of them. Uh, we have the TIE fighter now, uh, from this episode. I wonder if they're actually, all these little pieces are going to come back together in a, in future episodes, uh, maybe as some of the earliest, um, uh, you know, weapons of the Rebel Alliance or who knows what. Well, you know, I've always said that if you call attention to something, you have to use it. And that's exactly. a good case in point that the the disruptors have been called attention to. Half of them are missing. The TIE fighter has been called attention to. That's missing. And the other thing I was thinking of, I don't know if I brought up in the last episode. Do you get the feeling that we never know exactly where those disruptors went to from uh, Visago? Yep. Now, there's two theories on that. Maybe he did have another buyer, or maybe that other buyer was Bail Organa. Mm. Twist. It's, so, did either of you guys watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season one? No. Okay. So, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a spent, the first season of 20, uh, 24 episodes, I think. The first 15 episodes were all almost, they're not, they weren't always, always one-offs, but they were all, they felt really random at the time. And all tied back together really strongly for the for the last quarter of the season. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen here, where we get a bunch of one-off episodes that are are setting up minor plot points that will come together in a big way by the end. Well, the disruptors, the Tie Fighter. And, and you do remember when we were talking to Greg? Greg did say that how he does his story things, he would put post-its up and he would he would basically map out everything. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that's correct? That is, everything's mapped out. It is mapped out that all that stuff could come back later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we got, I don't know, it might be my favorite part of the episode. Sorry, diving back into it without any warning or segue. No problem. Good uh, segue. So we get back. Did you say good segue? I anyway, it was a not, segue. Fo- not focusing on that. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I need to go to sleep. Uh, we get a really fun scene where. Zeb and Ezra come back and see their room after Sabine has finished uh, her masterpiece. And a beautiful piece of art representing Ezra falling down on Sabine as we saw... Or on, not on Sabine. Excuse me, on Zeb, as we saw at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, it was kind of funny to see that. And I, I just actually liked, in general, um, kind of, the, again, going back to the dynamic here of, of Zeb and, and Ezra with a little bit of Sabine thrown in. It's kind of like the older sister. But, you know, they're, they they roughhouse afterward. After they mm-hmm. get along at the end of this episode, they're kind of, you know, Zeb's got his his arm around Ezra's neck, and he's, like, you know, messing with him. and Giving him a nuggie. Exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, they have bunk beds in the same room. It's very much the, the brother uh, dynamic there. It kind of reminds me of, uh, of my younger brother in, in some ways. 
um, you know, uh, how we, you know, we used to share a, a room and bunk beds and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that part's, that part's kind of cool. And it's, it's, it's neat to see that. And then how, um, Sabine is kind of immortalizing this on their, mm-hmm. on their wall. Yep. Um, before the show, Steven, you actually brought this up. Um, you, you, you mentioned that in some ways this episode didn't really have a lot of, didn't really progress the plot. It, uh, of rebels it was, a ton. Well, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Uh, and then explain so, why you. Yeah, you so it's not. I, let me start by or saying. Maybe I I'm putting I, the wrong I, words This will sound kind out. of negative. I don't mean it as a, as necessarily being negative. Mm-hmm. But there there was a kind of an it was this was really common in the 90s when shows were padded out a lot longer. It uh like uh if you watched uh, Star Trek Voyager, not to bring Star Trek onto the Star Wars podcast, um the the episode sorry the show was about the Voyager being cast off. Uh, you know, in the Delta Quadrant with no support, you know, cut off, you know, from all, like, any resources, all these sorts of things. And on a regular basis, the end of this ship gets attacked and damaged during one episode, and as soon as the next episode starts, it's back It's back to fine. The, the, and this idea that uh, each episode is kind of its own self-contained story, there's not a whole lot of bridging in between, except for character stories. Mm-hmm. And this felt like that in a lot of ways. We we had this no sense of rebellion here. Uh, it was very lighthearted. Uh, not a whole lot of, not a whole lot of substance to it really, which is odd coming from the clone wars where we had, you know, these really big arcs that were meaningful. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and don't the, get me wrong. Yeah, I well, love the clone wars, it, but going back wars to that R2D2 and C3PO episode where they were going to get fruit for the cake, the whole episode. Yeah, and, and it's they not, had it was not a but, perfect show. No, no, no. I, it, I don't. It wasn't mean to a perfect show, but there was. Okay, it wasn't a perfect episode, but there was still there was still a tie into the Clone Wars. It was still mm-hmm. tied to something. I mean, Stephen, I completely agree with you when it comes to this episode. This is just a very lighthearted episode. It was, I, I would look at this again. It's a character study. It was a character study when you look at, um, if you want to compare it to Clone Wars. The episode where there was absolute. What is the episode in which there was nothing that was written by Brent Friedman? Um, the, the Void. Yeah, the Void. The, the okay. Void. When that one was just nothing but a character study. Mm-hmm. Okay. This one was a character study, not as. Okay, this is going to sound weird. Not as void as that one, <laughs> but it still. Didn't want to make the pun, sorry. It, it's okay. Yeah. I, I but, accept. Yeah, thank you. But it's. It was a character study, basically, like like William, you say the the bigger brother, older, uh, bigger brother, younger brother. You know, it's like that. That's how you related to this, and that's how I saw it. I saw it as you know, it's it's the big brother who's got to protect the little brother, and then you had like the mom and dad fam, you know, and and sister relationship that's in there. That's how I saw this. It didn't move anything forward. It didn't move anything back. It was just a self-contained. Here's a nice little episode. Let's tell this story, and that's it. And it told a decent little story, but it yeah. just really it didn't move the didn't move anything forward. Yeah, you know. and and it's one of those things where it's kind of hard to talk about when we're this early in the season, right? Because it, if this is something that happens on a regular basis, then yeah, it's a problem. But if this is the only episode, or you know, we only get one or two episodes that do this, then who cares? I mean, right. As long as the episodes are fun and engaging, that's really all that matters. Mm-hmm. 
and this episode had its moments. I mean, we did oh, pick sure. up little things. We, we picked up little things that we liked by way of the dialogue, by way of the action. You know, it was just, I guess, from, I'll say, three veterans of the Clone Wars by watching them for the years we've had, we are taking what we've learned from that and we're reviewing these episodes the same way. But they're just that little bit different at this point until they start moving in the directions the Clone Wars did. We don't know if it's going to move that way as it gets further. Because remember, Greg did say he looks at this as a three-act uh, three play with a beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. So we don't know how this first act is going to progress. But right now, it, it's, it seems to be lighthearted. And it's, it's character study. Of, they're introducing you to these characters. How the other episodes are going to... There may be an episode between Hera and Sabine like this I'd there be could okay. be one between you know sabine and, and kanan like this also okay with that one yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. you know I, I would love to actually get more, more yeah, I, um learn more about those other characters i feel right. like at yeah, this point we've say, actually was... got a, a couple of great episodes with zeb i feel like we've gotten mm-hmm. a really good idea of his personality ezra as well uh, a little bit on kanan a little bit and a little bit on yeah. hera from a new dawn right but um but I guess I, I, I think you actually put your your you hit the nail on the head there. It's that Zeb and Ezra both have gotten a lot of time already. Yep. So having mm-hmm. our first one off like this for character progression on only them seems a little odd. I, I don't know. I think I think it's okay. Um, but at this point, I think we're good. We 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 need to kind of focus on the other characters now. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, the, the, not a lot happened in this episode that like, uh, even in the 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 previous episode, it seemed like they were just on a, a random mission to get, mm-hmm. you know, to make a, to do a weapons deal. Mm-hmm. But we find out that, oh no, you know, it's actually R2-D2 and C-3PO were involved and Bail Organa wants, had R2-D2 recording everything and wants to uh, find out about more, more about these rebels and it mm-hmm. kind of tied into the larger story. Uh, this and, one, not so much, um, but it was all about character development. And you know what? Right. The characters, I, I really like them more and more. I'm uh, really liking Zeb. Oh, uh, I, I like Zeb awesome. an awful lot. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that from that standpoint, this was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed kind of mm-hmm. uh, delving yeah. in, more into these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would like to see if they do the next character study. I want to see more about Sabine. I'd like to hear yeah. more about her backstory. I think that is a character that you've got right now. If you take a look at New Dawn, we've read, you know, you've got Hera and Kanan in that in that show. Right now, you've got the development of Zeb and Ezra in Rebels. Now you need to see the development of Sabine. When is she going to get out there and shine? That's a character yeah. that I want to see more of. Yeah. Yep. So, and William, I know you wanted to talk about the music as well. Yeah. Okay. So, so let me let me get on let, my. Let's lay let's lay out your grievances now. Okay. Now that I've had my soapbox. Okay. Here we go. So, let's start by saying I, I think Kevin Kiner is doing. A great job. I, I really enjoy the music in this show. Um, back when the Clone Wars was on TV, they tried to stay away from the classic John Williams themes, and we only got it for very special, um, uh, very special occasions. And it was it was really cool, right? It was always like, oh yes, they're using the classic Star Wars music now, and um, it always got you really excited when they when they use John Williams themes, and and typically it was like straight up John Williams themes. Um, in Rebels, they're taking a little bit different tack. They're trying to make it feel a little bit more like the original trilogy and the, and the classic film. So what they did is um, they're using and reusing a lot more of 
the the, the classic themes. I, I believe uh, we talked about this last week, um, where they uh, they have been I'm trying to think. They they really only have the the one new rebels theme. They have a couple of themes, but they have the primary the rebels theme. And they they rearrange that a little bit. Kevin Connors rearranged it a bit and put it here and there, which is nice. But for the most part, the majority of the music seems to be lifted straight from the films. And not only that, they jump between cues really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be a cue from A New Hope, and then a cue from The Phantom Menace, and a cue from Empire Strike, uh, you know, Return of the Jedi, and another cue from Revenge of the Sith, and they just like. They, they jump all over and grab cues from all of the films. And maybe just because I love the music so much and I listen to it so much, it almost, and I, I hate to even say this because I love the music and it's so cool to hear it mm-hmm. in Rebels, it almost feels like it's overkill though. Mm-hmm. Um, because I notice every cue and I'm like, oh, that's when they land on Coruscant in the Phantom Menace. And then there's, that's the that, that theme from A New Hope. And there's that theme from, you know, um, <clears throat> Attack of the Clones or, or whatever and I it seems like they're just bouncing between all these classic th- themes so quickly and they're they're slightly rearranged which is cool mm-hmm. but I, I almost wonder is it too it, much? Is it overkill? I, I feel bad saying that but I don't know I'm getting worried. We're, th- we're two, two three those, episodes in. It's one of those things where it's a problem with the score being too iconic in many mm-hmm. respects. Yes. Whereas we've heard them so many times and they're, they've been used so sparingly that when, you know, the, the Leia theme or the, the Force theme, when any of those start, you are, you are intrinsically associating it or immediately associating it, I think that's a better word, with a specific scene or emotion from the original trilogy or from the prequel trilogy in some cases. And what I think is happening in Rebels is they're using it kind of like you would expect... I don't, I don't want to say like in a fan video, but in the same sort of way where you're using the music because it's Star Wars, not because mm-hmm. it it evokes the same emotions as the same scenes. And so it, it just feels it feels slightly off. To the one thing from my perspective, I I only notice little snippets. I've not really been paying attention to the music a lot in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. I mean, I, I literally have on vinyl, the original Star Wars soundtrack. And I have all the CDs from all the soundtracks. Here, wait, Tom, can we play a quick game? What do you got? Okay, so this I call this game How to Make Tom Feel Old. Tom, what's vinyl? Oh. <laughs> it happens to be something that you put on a thing that turns and you can wicka wicka wear, wicka wicka wear thingy on it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. Thank I mean, you, thank I, you for playing along. I, no problem. I would. I'd promise to never do it again. But that's okay. There's... I mean, I look. I have no problem with the old man jokes. Trust me. You just heard the old man talk. So, <laughs> but I, I do also have the vinyl of the story of Star Wars. So I have that as well. So those of you out there who are my age and understand the, you know, the the long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. I have it all memorized. To this day, that whole flip over vinyl piece. But I don't hear a lot of the music cues that you guys are because I really also don't listen to the soundtrack like crazy. Um, I I know it's out there because I think um, there was a podcast or something that you heard, William, uh, or something that mentioned something. Yeah, so I just... Um, this... There's there's another aspect to this that I and again I'm I'm no I love the Star Wars music but I wouldn't call myself a music expert 
Um, unlike you know someone like uh, David Collins, who well, used to work at LucasArts and, and worked on the music of like games like The Force Unleashed and Republic Commando and stuff, he uh, has a podcast with uh, on the Rebel Force radio network um, called Star Wars Oxygen, and it's amazing. He kind of goes through in, in detail and talks about the music of Star Wars and kind of breaks down every cue. And, and I've actually learned quite a bit. I thought I, you know, I, I knew where every everything kind of came from. But there are times like he's pointed out, oh, this cue is actually a reused version of, of this one. It's just, you know, slightly different, uh, arranged slightly differently. And it's like, whoa, it is that. It is that same the same cue. And it's really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, anyway, so having listened to that I and how much attention to detail John Williams and George Lucas and everybody put into the, the use of these themes and what they mean and, and, and why they appear uh, and wh- why you hear them at certain times. I, I wonder, because we're just picking themes like you would for a trailer in some ways, like this this one good sounds point. good and this one sounds good and this one sounds good. good. Again, may, maybe, they, maybe they are putting that care into it and I just don't know it. And again, I'm not the expert here. But part of me worries that if we're reusing all these classic themes uh, kind of willy-nilly uh, because it sounds good, are we missing that deeper meaning uh, that 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 you know Williams put into the into the score. I don't know. Uh, I haven't really spent the time to go through it yet and kind of analyze it. And again, I, I'm I'm not a, an expert, but I, I worry that as much as I love it in Rebels and I love hearing these themes, and he does a great job making them rearranging them. So it's actually not you know lifted straight from the the, the previous scores. He actually records it you know using the orchestra uh, slightly differently and, and and tweaks it a bit. But it's just jumping around so much that I, I kind of worry. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that that's kind of my. Um, I I don't want to say it's a soapbox, right? I don't want to say it's bad and they shouldn't do it because I know for for years during the Clone Wars we always said we want more of these classic themes, and so it seems kind of crazy to take the reverse position now. It's one of those things where because we're only you know two episodes in a movie into the series, mm-hmm. we don't know what's what's a one-off and what's uh, a trend that we're starting to, that they're developing that, you know, is worrisome. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. Maybe, and... maybe we'll get more original music as the show goes. And the only reason they're doing it now is because they didn't have time to record everything they wanted to before they started. Well, this is all if original that's... recordings. So, well, it's, well yeah. I mean, but compose new, like entirely new, yeah. or, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't know anything about music composition. Uh, I'm, as bad as Tom, I imagine, in many respects. The only reason I even noticed it this time around, <laughs> William, is because you pointed it out to me before I watched the episode. Oh, <laughs> I guess Did it. I guess I was listening to the music too much then. No, it's, and I, I, I've historically been bad at noticing music. Like, I wish I was better at it. Someone would be like, wow, like that, that music in that trailer was so awesome. Like, there was music? That's so I, news to me. When but, it comes to orchestration, for me, I, I have a hard time picking up on the differences. But you go back to the classic 80s music, I can probably pick up something really quick. But the orchestration stuff is a – yeah. Yeah, yeah see, it, 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 it just, sticks out we, like a sore thumb to me in, in many ways. And I'm like – it almost takes me out of the uh, out of the show because I'm like, oh, that's that theme. And I, oh, well, that's that theme. What did they actually just say? I, just, I was just paying attention. Well, I was just thinking about where the theme came from. <laughs> actually, so speaking of the importance of music – uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this. There's a really funny uh, group on YouTube called uh, Aural Knots, like A-U-R-A-L, like sound. Yeah. And okay, so when you get a chance, they've redone episodes one, two, and three, uh, which are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I believe they're working on episode four. And one of the things they did is kind of a, a, a teaser 
is they released the throne room scene from uh, episode four at the very end and removed the music. And they added some other, like, you know, burps and farts in the audience that are kind of funny. <laughs> but you start to realize that without music, that's a really awkward scene. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a giant throne room. Han, Le- uh, Luke, and Chewie walk into the room. No one talks. They walk up. They get handed medals. No one talks at all. They look at the audience, and there's applause. There's nothing. There's no conversation in the scene. There's no just... It is the most awkward award ceremony that you can possibly imagine. Not, and it's one of those things, like, the only reason it works on the film is because the score isn't that amazing. Yeah, and 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 John Williams, or sorry, George Lucas always said, I think John Williams, one of the two, I forget, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, the music is, like, half of the experience in Star Wars. Right, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. So, and, and that, that's why I guess it sticks out to me. Again, I don't want to complain because I, I, I really do love it. And so I hate, I hate to even say, you know... Oh, this well, is too much. But it's not a complaint I, I, I as much worry. as it's. These are things that if we continue to see them develop, we're going to be that they become more worrisome. Mm. So it's like in in Clone Wars when we first started, and there was all the battle droid humor. The first time we're like, okay, well that was really bad, but you know, and, and I don't like it. But you know, right. maybe maybe it won't. Maybe it'll go away. And mm. then it didn't, and we're like, okay, this this is something that needs to be addressed. And then they finally addressed it later, and it all worked out. Well, I think it was the same thing with Sky Guy. It exactly. was the, the yep. nicknames at the beginning as well. That so one, they did phase out as yeah. she got older. So, well, they phased it out even before then. I want to say they phased out a lot of that by the end of season one. Oh, sure. Yeah. But it, it was the show. We, we know in the, that Filoni and the crew know what they're doing, and they, they will self-correct the show before it's even out. Right. As they, as they do episodes and then see what is and isn't working. And I've, I see no reason to believe that Rebels will be any different. So are we about ready for uh, our thoughts on the episode? Give it a rating. So, I think so. Okay. Ooh, I didn't. You know what? I should have thought about this. Ooh, oh, that's okay. I, Steven, then, you want to go first? <laughs> I I was going to volunteer to go first. Let, let the old let the old man go Tom, first. Okay, let's do you and then me and then Steven. Okay, perfect. So, take um, it away. Thank you very much. Uh, I've said enough. I think within this episode, I liked it. I liked it for what it was. Uh, I've said enough about uh, it really is not moving anything forward, but it's not moving anything back. It's a great character study. I'm really liking Zeb. I'm liking Ezra, but I'm liking Ezra because of the the interaction with Zeb. Not that I don't like him, but I think Zeb right now out of the series is the star. And and that's how I look at it. And Ezra will be coming into his own at some point. But right now, the star of the episodes is Zeb on that note because it's supposed to be Ezra I'm going to have to give this episode a 6 it's not bad I I don't want to make it sound like that I'm really knocking the episode but it really was nothing to say I want to be wowed about it it was just an episode it was a nice episode had its moments but I'm going to give it a straight 6 okay um I'll go next um I enjoyed the episode. It was it was great to see the the dynamic between Ezra and Zeb, as you mentioned, and there were some certainly some nice moments in there as well. Um, it, nothing galaxy shattering or, or even really progressing the plot forward too much, aside from maybe a uh, the potential resurgence of a Tie Fighter, unless this is the this series Zilla Beast. Um, but um, I, I enjoyed it overall, though. It was it was it was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm going to give it um, a 7 out of 10. 
I think we're oh, forgetting the Womp Rats. Oh. Oh, we, yeah. Oh, how, how could we forget? Okay. How could um, we forget? I, I'm really quick uh, here. I'm going to take, uh, I'll, I'll go since I, I'm going to take my six Womp Rats. I'm going to put them on that um, uh, prison vehicle, toy vehicle, whatever it is. I'm going to handcuff all four of their arms. Well, their, their forearms and legs, whatever you want to call them, and push them off. Okay. And just tell them to tuck and roll. Sounds good. <laughs> Um, my womp rats are uh, are gonna um, kind of create a chain. They're gonna hang one from each other, you know, one by one. Uh, one. To create a chain, and they're gonna be flying the tie fighter upside down. So there's like the one womp rat hanging on to the the controls, and the rest are just dangling outside of the cockpit. You know, as a as a chain of seven womp rats as they're flying around the the city. The uh, one sideways, hanging... by the way, they're actually flying sideways. Oh, sideways. Okay. Side. Nice way. The one that's hanging uh, from the controls is he gonna actually be hanging right side up instead of by his feet? Because that way he can actually look and steer, and the other guys are hanging onto his feet as they go down. Eh, either way, it's overrated. Okay, I just I just thought I'd ask. <laughs> okay, Stephen, you're up. All right. So, and Tom, actually, something you just said to me kind of crystallized my thoughts of this episode. So I'll start by saying I'm going to give it a six out of ten as well. Okay. This was, uh, I would call. <laughs> I feel terrible for saying this. Um, this episode was the sweet life of Zeb and Ezra. It, this was never like, thought you, of it that way. When you think about like people are worried about uh, Disney kind of Disneyfying Star Wars, I'd argue that this is this is the result. Uh, this is the Disney episode of Star Wars. You got you put your two characters together that are kind of immature. They you know joke on each other for laughs, and it is genuinely funny. And they do go through some genuine character growth throughout the episode, but nothing of substance actually happens. It, it's like it's it's the Disney Channel. I mean, it's Disney XD, so that's not unexpected. Um, it doesn't it doesn't make it a bad episode. I think no. you're right that like it's enjoyable. Like I I'd watch it again, I guess at some point. But it's it does it lacks the epicness of that Star Wars has. And Clone Wars have obviously did this as well. The cake episode, the Jar Jar episodes. Uh, this is no, 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 no. The one Jar Jar the, episode. The one, okay. We yes, do the not one Jar Jar speak episode. of the one that did not have the actual voice actor acting I that part. I don't know what you're talking about. Thank you. Neither do I. But yeah, so that that's kind of how I feel this episode was. It was like, you know, I was 12 or 10 again and watching, you know, some The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody or, you know, whatever show Disney Channel show you want to pick. Uh, that's a Raven. I'm trying to remember what all of them are. <laughs> But it, that's kind of how it felt to me. It's enjoyable. I can watch it. But I, it didn't really feel like the Star Wars I expected out of it. Uh, I don't think this will be a trend that continues. We've seen mm. from the movie and uh, the previous episode that they've got much bigger aspirations than the sweet life of Zeb and Ezra. But that wasn't really in evidence here. So, Tom, I think I'm going to match you. I'm going to do six out of ten Womp Rats. Okay. Uh, not a terrible episode. It was good but not necessarily as good as I would have liked it to have been, if that makes sense. I believe the show has more potential than we saw just here. Agreed. What and, are you going to do with your Womp Rats? Oh, so in the spirit of making this episode more epic than it actually was on screen, we were wondering why the Empire destroyed that uh, <laughs> the moisture farm. I'm here to tell you, that they had gotten word of a secret underground rebel womp rat cell that they were going to wipe out. And that was what happened here today. 
that and that those were my six swamp rats. But you don't worry, the scum. They actually I can live escaped. With that. They they knew the empire was coming and they left oh. and they will live to fight another day against the empire. I could live with that. Okay. But yeah, there there you go. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> Well, cool. I, guess we, I guess we have the coming up. Yeah. Um, Tom, you want to do it? Might as well. Um, coming up on the next Ion Cannon podcast, we're going to be reviewing Rebels Season 1, Episode 3, Rise of the Old Masters. The synopsis. The Rebels learn that Jedi Master Luminara Unduli is being held captive in the Sturgeon system. Stygion. Stygion, thank you. I, I don't know why I was thinking about a fish in that one. No problem. I just remember uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, tr- the trailer for... Uh, for rebels, mm-hmm. good. Yeah. That's true. Um, Stygian system. This the Stygian system. But when they get to her, they do realize that they have fallen into a trap set by the Inquisitor. So this is definitely moving the story forward because we get yep. to see the Inquisitor for the first. And is this, this the is... first time? Yeah. Uh, effectively, I mean, he was in the he was in the premiere a little bit. Well, that's true. Uh, but we actually get to see him. Heroes will interact with him. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and this is why I'm not actually worried about the show, even though I felt like this episode was kind of off, is because we've got episodes like this that are already planned and coming up. Right. And a one-off episode does not a poor series make. Exactly. No. And again, this is not a bad episode by any stretch. No, no. Didn't move everything along overall, but um, I, I really enjoyed getting to know the characters more. And that's By all. the way, I think we missed an announcement. We Did missed we? the announcement about the Spark of the Rebellion going to be re-aired on ABC. Oh, did we not mention that? I thought that no, was we a... did not mention that. Oh, yes, we should discuss that. Tom, what is Well, this? I'm trying to dig up the date because I think it's going to be... Is it? Uh... Here, so while you're looking up, so we know that Help Spark me. of Rebellion is going to re-air on ABC. Tom's looking up the date. I'm looking it up right now. And uh, the reason this is cool is it's going to be released with an extra... A scene featuring none other than Darth Vader. Dun dun dun. No no no. This is Rebels. We reuse all of our themes. And on top of that, it's not just the return of Darth Vader, but it's also the return of a very famous person doing the voice of Darth Vader, and that happens to be James Earl (laughs) Jones, guys. I'm helping you out here. I was trying to come up with like. Who is the least likely person to be voicing Darth Vader? Pee Wee Herman. But I now he did anything. appear in last week's episode. He did, and but... I, but I was trying to think of who else would not be Darth Vader. But yes, okay, now... James Earl Jones will be returning as the voice of Darth Vader, which is awesome. And set your recorders. It is October 26th on ABC. You'll see Star Wars: Spark of the Rebellion re-aired with that extra scene of Darth Vader. Now, how cool is that? I'm I'm curious to see what's in this scene that makes it not uh, weird in the context of the episode, but we'll have to wait and find out, I expect. Well, I sure believe we'll... it's just a, a quick hologram um, from what I've heard. That's uh, what I, but... I believe they released an image of it. Yeah. And that's what it looks like. Uh, James Earl, uh, David Prowse, I think, tweeted a link to an image. But yeah, it, it'll be cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, be interesting to see just how much they, they change it. But that's um, just next next Sunday as you're listening to this. Uh, and, assuming and you're I, downloading it as soon as it comes out. 
And I just hope that it's going to be more than five seconds, not just a face saying, yes, Inquisitor. I mean, some kind of interaction between the Inquisitor and Darth Vader, just something, something of substance is what I'm looking for. Yeah, should be cool. Yeah, should be very cool. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spinoff films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or their respective trademark or copyrights. Any and all opinions expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2014.